Wow, good morning. I share in Adam's welcome to all of you how good it is that your presence, those of you in the house of God in your own home, those of you in this particular house of God of Knox, you are bringing our sanctuaries and our parking lot alive today. And it is good. And I echo the gratitude for all the servants, the members and community of Knox, all the staff that have served to keep the Church of Christ of Knox loving and serving in the world. It is beautiful to be a part of and to behold. Today is Palm Sunday, and I don't know about you, but today I am missing our tradition of having our younger people lead us into worship with a palm parade, waving those beautiful green branches, singing our Hosanna Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But it's no less Palm Sunday today. It is the, for the, excuse me. In this time, as Adam said, in the life of the church, it begins Holy Week. And the crowds were shouting Hosanna, meaning God save us. They saw in Jesus a Savior. It was Passover time for the people in Jerusalem, for the Jewish nation. So the city of Jerusalem was exceptionally filled with people. This is the Passover where the Jews commemorate the exodus, the liberation of their ancestors by God from Egyptian slavery. It's a beautiful time of celebration and worship. The Gospels describe Jesus' entry as triumphal. At least it was for the crowd that was waving their branches and making all of that joyful noise. And why? According to John's Gospel, our passage today, Jesus' entry was the direct result of his raising his dear friend Lazarus from death to life a short time prior. As Gary Wills, theologian, points out, this miraculous event in Bethany served to spur on Jesus' passion, the suffering that he will soon come to know. The eyewitnesses at that raising of Lazarus and all those who heard about it were excited and they came to meet Jesus in Jerusalem with shouts of joy and hope that this man who had the power to bring life out of death would be the one to bring them as the Messiah out of the tyranny of Roman occupation. The faithful Jews would have recognized the prophecies of their scriptures in the way and person of Jesus, as in the prophet Zechariah chapter 9, where the prophet writes, Sing aloud, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king will come to you, righteous, victorious, humble, and riding on a donkey. He will cut off the chariots, horses, and weapons of war. He will speak peace to the nations and his rule will stretch from sea to sea. The donkey of Palm Sunday was one sure sign that this was all about to unfold. Imagine what the crowd of Jesus' fans and followers was thinking or feeling, filled with such hopeful expectation, perhaps thinking as they waved their palm branches, Jesus surely has it all planned out, that any minute now he will summon some troops Bring on a revolt to overthrow their oppressors. It's all surely about to begin. 
and he'll run the Roman soldiers and leaders of the whole empire out of the city and off their land completely. But something goes very wrong. Nothing went as the Jesus crowd expected. That moment of glory when Jesus and the donkey entered in would prove to be just that, a moment. We know from the gospel accounts that Jesus' passion, which is Latin for suffering, is indeed about to unfold in the events on Palm Sunday. And that indeed things did go very wrong. Instead of a military coup to dethrone the emperor and to crown Jesus as their king, in just a few days he'll be arrested, tried, tortured. And he will be crowned, but not with the gold of royalty, but with the crown of thorns by his persecutors. And then next, the cross, the height of his passion. In that very first palm parade, the crowd waving their branches was still full of an awe over Lazarus and now filled with hope that Jesus might raise them up too from whatever in their lives had died, whatever had turned to ashes under the day-to-day hardship of living under occupation. But Jesus, atop that donkey, surrounded by all that acclaim, rode in fear. As much as he tried to explain what the kingdom of God was really all about, he knew his followers could not yet understand. He knew the hosannas and praise would soon turn to shock, disappointment, anger, and violence, not wielded by him against their enemy, but wielded against him and that his most beloved followers would soon desert him in their own fear. If he is a king, as the people declare, his reign is not of this order, as Wills puts it. He has yet to present as the military messiah they're expecting. All of his miraculous signs of bringing wine out of water, healing the sick, restoring sight to the blind, and speech to the non-speaking, and raising the dead to life, come with no battle cry, no war horse, no weapons. When he came to teach and preach and protest in villages and towns and in the very temple in Jerusalem, he came unarmed with no battalions. Instead, He comes with the most unexpected power. As Wills puts it, the universal solvent of love. Author and lay theologian G.K. Chesterton expresses the irony of this day, this what we call Palm Sunday, through the experience of the donkey that Jesus rode in on. In this poem... Let's enter into the world of the donkey. When fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody of all four-footed things. 
the tattered outlaw of the earth of ancient crooked will. Starve, scourge, deride me. I am dumb. I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. If you've ever had a donkey as a neighbor, you may be nodding your head. Strangely eared and monstrous head and sickening cry indeed. Heard at any hour of the day or night seemingly for no reason. How ironic that such an animal as a donkey would serve as the divine messenger in that fierce and sweet hour of palms and glory. I wonder, considering this whole gospel scene, how many of you can relate so far? Can you recall a sweet time of glory, of hope, when all seemed right in the world? Recall the feelings. Where and how was God in that for you and with you? But then it didn't last, or maybe even came to an abrupt end with an unexpected or perhaps tragic outcome when we witnessed our own palms turn to ash. What did you feel then? Where was God in that? How was God there with you? Most of us may remember, perhaps for the rest of our lives, where we were one year ago this March. March 2020, we were all going about our lives, perhaps in a very ordinary way, and suddenly that way ended as COVID-19 sent us into lockdown much of the world already there. Life as we know it, knew it then, came to a stop. And we had no say in it. We had little choice in the midst of it. Can you recall the feelings you had a year ago? Our ordinary palms of life withering. This Palm Sunday in the scriptures was Passover time, and we remember today that our Jewish siblings begin this year's Passover, just last night, and it will last until next Sunday night. And during this time of remembrance, they recall again the Exodus story, that their God, our God, is a God of liberation, a traditional part of their Seder, their special Sabbath meal is horseradish to represent the traditional bitter herb. And this bitterness reminds them of the bitterness their ancestors experienced under slavery. When they eat the horseradish, it stings their nasal passages. It burns their throat. It's harsh. 
even painful. And it helps them feel that connection once again to their ancestors and to the people who suffered so long ago. It helps them remember how God sees and knows and longs and seeks to deliver them too from any affliction. In an interview with National Public Radio, one Jewish woman preparing for Passover shared the meaning and history of the bitter herb. Commonly, horseradish is, is that bitter herb today. Some would argue, she said, that the harshness and pain isn't a feeling people much need help accessing right now. She pointed out this is the second Passover during the pandemic. She said she's already there. But maybe the bitter herb will help bring her out of the numbness she's experienced from this year as she just tries to keep going, keep her life and family and livelihood afloat. Can you relate to that? That feeling of numbness, perhaps? This pandemic has worn on you in ways you could not have known. Perhaps leaving us unbewildered, and we don't exactly know why. We are grieving losses, or so numb we cannot yet grieve, because we're still trying to cope. Many have experienced loved ones suffer or die from COVID. Or you have lost loved ones for other reasons. And have not been able to properly remember and celebrate. And have people nearby for hugs and sharing in your pain. Or maybe you have watched with agony those around you, those you love, start to languish in body, mind, or spirit perhaps become suicidal, or even succeed. You've tasted growing ill health or economic insecurity. And everything around us is taxing our coping mechanisms. So when another story of a mass shooting or racist oppression or hatred or infighting in our government or climate change-related disasters or another record number of refugee, unaccompanied children. When any of that hits the news, you feel numb to the bitter, or feel as if that maybe your last palm branch is about to turn to ash. Father Richard Roy points out again the irony of this scene on Palm Sunday. He writes, the supreme irony of the whole crucifixion scene is this, that he who had everything, had everything taken away from him. He who was king of king and lord of lords was crowned with thorns. And all of the humanity to which Jesus was brother was taken away from him. And he journeyed alone, all his followers deserting him. Jesus, our brother to all creation, was nailed to the wood of a cross, his arms nailed open. I want to invite you to view with me a painting. I'm going to ask Sean to display this masterpiece from the Italian painter Tintoretto, The Crucifixion. 
This is a portion of a much larger painting than it actually is. If you'd like to access this on your device, you can go to knox.org forward slash dot picture as well. But look with me now as you are able at this scene. This scene unfolded in just four days after the palm parade. Jesus was atop a donkey being hailed as king and now seemingly chaos all around. His followers are gone, except for perhaps his mother, who may be the figure in the very front, gazing at Jesus, shrouded in grieving garb. Roman soldiers are atop their white war horses off to the left and off to the right. They're giving orders, keeping things under control, while the two criminals one on the left and one on the right, are being strung up on their crosses to join Jesus. Jesus' arms are surely nailed wide open. What do you experience as you see this? And perhaps the image that shows us the irony in its fullest is in the very center, in the back. The donkey, which carried Jesus four days ago, is now straddled by a Roman soldier, by the empire. And the palm branches, no longer waving in glory for Jesus or for the donkey, but discarded by the crowd who ran in fear, left behind on the ground where the donkey now eats them for his lunch, a very bitter meal. Father Roar continues, reminding us that Jesus is the eternal sign of God to humans. Yet his arms were nailed open because he said in his life three dangerous words. I love you. And when we say I love you, we give another power over us. And we humans in our finitude are prone to hate what we should love. But God says, I love you anyway. This is God's great act of reconciliation. For all the world that has indeed gone after Jesus, both those waving palms with hope and those who will soon string him up to a cross, all those shouting hosannas in faith, for all institutions, all creation, this is God's great act of reconciliation. I love you in those wide open arms of Jesus. And this is our hope. After our worship today, sometime in the near future between now and next season of Lent, the palm branches that we have outside for your, for your Easter journey will be gathered up and a Knox Sunday School class will burn those palms, turning them to ashes. 
We do this every year. And they will be used next Ash Wednesday to impose upon your forehead or your hand once again in the sign of a cross on you as God's beloved, fragile, broken, living in a broken world, oftentimes with our hopes and dreams turning to ash on any given day. And after all of that, we are still God's beloved. And as Easter will soon remind us, out of our ashes comes something glorious and new. Out of the ashes, God brings forth new palm branches. Out of the ash, God brings forth new life. This is our hope. This is our song. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.